politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew our life, liberty, property, humanity, right to breathe and survive on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter here at Blaze Media. It is Wednesday. It is February 8th. And we are back, as always, to focus on all that matters in the way it matters, the 2020 vision that you're not going to get elsewhere, skating to where the puck is headed, not to where it's been. And this is the difference between this show and this audience than pretty much every other one. It's why I wasn't even going to focus on the events of last night. State of the Union, to begin with, has always been waning in terms of ratings and focus. It's all a show. Everyone forgets about it 24 hours later. And then the deep state goes on and the uniparty goes on and does what it does to us and nothing has changed. But in fact, I actually am going to focus on it. But of course, as always, we're going to focus on it in a very different way than every other conservative talker because I actually think what was on display last night perfectly reflects the political divide or lack thereof between the parties. It perfectly reflects this emerging conservative media intelligentsia that's gotten a little bit more aggressive, but still a little too little too late. Too little too late. How Biden perfectly reflects what the Fourth Reich is. How Mitch McConnell and most elected Republicans perfectly reflect the Uniparty. How Sarah Huckabee Sanders in a response, which was good, reflects kind of where conservative media talk radio is, but how that still is too little too late for what we need to be doing and focused on, and it doesn't quite capture it, and that's truly embodied in the biggest issue of the Fourth Reich, the Great Reset, the need for Nuremberg 2.0, medical freedom, the biomedical security state, But then food and fuel and every other vital aspect of our humanity hinges upon that and is reflected in that fight. And if you miss that fight, and that was the 800-pound gorilla not present in the room, both in this Biden speech and the response to it from uh, Governor Sanders, we're just wasting our time. And that's why on Monday, Steve Dace and I are coming out with the book. And it's essentially out already. I mean, so if you order it now, Rise of the Fourth Reich, action items, what we need to do. It's a mock trial encapsulating what we've been through. But it's not what we've been through. Oh, we're done with it. No, it's why it has to be dealt with now. So order it on Amazon, Rise of the Fourth Reich, confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. Um, So we are going to delve into what's important for our purposes like no one else does. And as I give you a 2020 vision on politics, folks, make sure you actually could see correctly. So many people uh, don't really do good with progressive glasses. But I have for you Better Spectacles, America's only conservative eyewear company, by the way. They import authentic Rodenstock eyewear, which is the gold standard in the industry, Um, For once, you know, technology is not a bad thing if it's used for the right purposes. So their biometric uh, research measures 7,000 points in the eye, 
and they give you a seamless vision. Um, you know, it's a it's a use of AI for the good to give you the best eyewear so that it works perfectly with your brain. It gives you the sharpest vision. That's why I am firing on all cylinders all day. Folks, if you want what everyone in my family now has, go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative. Schedule a teleoptical appointment. They could do it all, you know, through teleoptical nowadays. Uh, you don't have to leave your home. Don't settle with your eyewear. Go big with biometrical intelligence glasses from Better Spectacles. They're offering an introductory 61% off progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted rodentstock frames. Go to the only place where you can get progressive eyewear with a conservative company. That's betterspectacles.com slash conservative. So, folks, where is our Joe Biden? Where is our version of California? What is our State of the Union? And I don't just mean, oh, our response to it, you know, embodied through Huckabee Sanders. I mean, we need a group of people to come together and acknowledge that what we're doing is not working. We're always chasing our tail. We're always, you know, a day late, a dollar short when we're on to new things. It's really kind of yesterday's issue. We're not in the right way, not at the right time. The Overton window has shifted, and we're never in that window. Why are we satisfied with, with such low expectations? And with that kind of premise and set of questions, I want to go over what went on last night. So I never watch these things, and I, I haven't for years. I just don't have the stomach for it. I don't have the brain cells for it. What I typically do is just glance over uh, the transcript because to me, the State of Union is nothing. Biden is a scarecrow. The speech is even more meaningless. What matters is what he reflects and represents is actually accomplishing in every sphere of government, military, culture, um, law, tech, intel, you name it. That's what they're doing, and they're going to keep doing it regardless of what he says or doesn't say. But it is interesting to see what, what they want to put on paper. Everyone's focused on the booing, the reactions. I want to see what they put on paper. And I'll get to my biggest observation, to me the only important observation, I think, of this whole speech. But first, just a general sense, this is the triumph of the Fourth Reich. I mean, you got to give them credit. You might want to note that at this juncture in both Clinton and Obama's presidencies, the last two Democrat presidents, meaning the State of the Union address delivered after a midterm election. They were defeated, 1995 and 2011, roundly defeated. And they struck a conciliatory tone. This is when, you know, Clinton famously said the era of big government is over with, worked on welfare reform, which has since been undone, of course, and multiplied by 100 million, which all Republicans are now pro-welfare. Um... And then Obama even said, yeah, we do spend too much money. Again, he didn't mean it, but he said it. In this case, you got to give them credit. Biden went out there defiant as ever. And, you know, d d we, we can make fun of the dementia all we want. But their most dementia-ridden, weakest person is a stronger, more articulate leader for their causes than our strongest guy. I mean, it had the stamina, 72 minutes worth, no compromise, screw you, on every last issue. 
And what I loved about the speech, I mean, not loved, of course, but you, you get what I'm saying. What I admired about it from an enemy perspective, let's finish the job. Rather than saying, hey, you know, I need to work with them, need, need a U-turn. No, <laughs> we're going to double down. There's nothing wrong. There's no inflation. There's no COVID fascism. There's no um, political persecutions. There's no invasion at the border. There's no crime wave. Nothing. We're going to finish the job. That they, they are not happy and content with low expectations. And believe me, they have a lot to celebrate and quit while they're ahead. They go on and on and never give up. Let's finish the job. I love that from their perspective. And he, to the extent he talked about bipartisanship, which he did a lot, but it was on his terms. All the numerous examples of how on every issue Republicans gave him the victory. Hundreds of billions for the science agencies in charge of transhumanism that McConnell and Cornyn and Thune and all these guys grassly voted for. Then the, the so-called infrastructure bill. All that stuff. All that stuff. I give him a tremendous amount of credit. Tatted bipartisanship on so many levels without seating an inch. Think about that. I mean, we all say he's dementia-ridden. Yeah, he had the whatever, you know, phrases, but he's kind of moved the Overton window on, like with Fetterman, that everyone expects that, and now it's okay. We would have never tolerated that last generation in politics. And then, you know, it was successful. They never seed an inch. But the biggest observation I have from it is COVID. That was the dog that didn't bark. It's very interesting that he came there and said, today, COVID no longer controls our lives. We're done. It's over with. Let's move on. And then it's not even like he touted like the last State of the Union. It was all about the vaccines and everything. And the vaccines saved X number of lives and safe and effective. Get your booster. He didn't say that. He didn't. He just said we defeated it. It's over. And then at the end, just threw in one line just enough because it's paid for brought to you by Pfizer. We still need to monitor dozens of variants and support new vaccines. Done. Moved on. And to me, a couple of observations. Number one, he knows how potent this issue is. And that's commensurate with how much they're willing to retreat. And they're not retreating, they're reloading. Is how criminal it is for Republicans not to pursue that retreat. And how criminal it was for Republicans to give in to this for so long, as long as they did without fighting it. It's toxic. He can't mention it. And not just the lockdowns and the mask controlling our lives, but even the vaccine. The future vaccines. And that's really where the fight is. He could not tout. He doesn't want to say, and the vaccines are amazing, make sure to get it. Because that's going to draw more attention to it. What they are telling you is, don't focus on died suddenly. Don't focus on the genocide. Let's move on. They're not moving on. But rhetorically, they don't want to draw us into that fight. And I understand their tactic. Because... When, it, when the issue was lockdowns, Republicans supported it, weren't there. Finally, when the issue was masks, then, it was, then they're on to lockdowns. When the issue was the vaccines, then they talked a little bit about the mask. 
And now Republicans are like, yeah, we shouldn't have mandates. But you know what? They moved on from that. That's not the issue anymore. The issue is that the permanent legal precedent they set, the biosurveillance state that they're building, the gain of function that they're building, and again, all the precedents that they set on it, it's not just medical. That government could declare an emergency and do anything they want to you, shut down everything. And, and the whole supply chain thing, what do you think that is? We can't live a normal life now. Where do you think that came from? It's over with. And Republicans are like, yeah, it's over with. We wish you would end the emergency earlier. You want to end it in May? Fine. Let's go home. But it's the dog that didn't bark. It's amazing. They want to run away from it. But they're not, again, they're not running away from it. That's the point. But he's signaling to Republicans, okay, it's over with. And Republicans are like, yes, it's over with. We don't want to talk about it. So when the issue was ripe and it was harming us, we begged and begged and begged and Republicans wouldn't respond. Now they're like, yeah, it's over with. Well, what do you mean? Now that you have popular sentiment on your side, you need to fight this permanently. And I want to get to, I first want to finish off with Hugby Sanders. I want to get to the essence of where this fight is, why it's not over. Now, first, our other sponsor, you know, one of the ways it's not over with is that they're making it that you can't get medicine. Okay? Why do you think we have an antibiotic shortage? Suddenly. Just like all these sudden fires, sudden shortages. That's why I want you guys to go to jacemedical.com to get your Jace case, a list of five different courses of antibiotics you get in a pack to have on hand for the Fourth Reich, for when they have the next shutdown, for even when you travel and you just can't, um, you know, you you come down with a sinusitis, a skin infection, a respiratory virus, um, or bacterial infection, um, UTI, things like that. A lot of people are prepping with food, and God bless you. You guys were ahead of your time, but what we've learned is that you can't access medicine. This is crazy. So what what it basically is, is just like we did with Seven Cells. You go to jacemedical.com. You fill out a questionnaire because they do have to write a prescription, a legitimate prescription um, reviewed by a licensed physician. It takes about 10 minutes. Once you fill it out, you use REVIEW10. The promo code REVIEW10 at checkout for $10 off today. Folks, stay prepared with Jace Medical. So, folks, this is how Biden was able to get away with all this stuff. I I, I look at it, and you see he's not even on defense on a single issue because Republicans don't put him on defense. They don't, they don't put him on defense with any, anything. Another interesting observation I had, everyone laughed at Biden, and you know you had the moment with Kevin McCarthy there when he admitted oil will be with us for another 10 years, and everyone's laughing, ha, ha, ha. He had to admit, like, like as if he's conceding to us. No, he's not. See, they're still under the notion that this is not the Fourth Reich, so it's like, well, they think it's feasible to do green energy. Look, ha, 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 it's not. Green energy is not picking up the slack. You're going to need oil and gas. So therefore, there's no way they could ban our stuff. And it's like, dude, they don't care about that. They want you dead. They want you as an AI Lego toy bot where your brain is qu- and, and genes are literally coded 
like coding circuitry on a computer program that is the name of Biden's uh, executive order on transhumanism. And you have no food, you have no fuel, you have no medicine, and you will eat the bugs by 2030. And nearly every Republican is saying carbon neutral by 2030. So the Republicans agree to it. So Republicans are making the fight over drilling for oil. But that's, that's kind of a shiny object now. Because Democrats don't like drilling, Republicans do like drilling, but Republicans are facilitating the carbon capture, the electric car subsidies, all the, every governor, which will lead to that, which, which creates that market. Well, we're for all of the above. No. See, they think that so long as you still need oil and gas, they're not going to get rid of it. They don't care if you need it or not. They say openly, we need to take the population from 8 billion to 1 billion. So it's the same way they don't understand COVID, what just happened, where it came from, that they created the virus, they created, they, they knew remdesivir killed and they used it, and to this day they're using it. They blocked treatment. They, the, the COVID shots from A to Z, their creation, what they are, how many people they killed, and then what they have in the pipeline the biomedical security surveillance and tyrannical state, it, it still goes over their head. So it's not just on pathogens or even medicine. And that in itself is the biggest life and liberty issue you can imagine. It's the biggest part of our life, our ability to live in our economy and our freedom. But they're doing the same thing on other issues. And obviously the green stuff with energy is the first of it. We could laugh all we want, but energy is a fortune. It's scarce now. Same thing with food. Same thing with so many vital goods and services. They've succeeded. It's not like, oh, we stopped them from doing it. They're succeeding. This is not the old days where we would debate over whose policy is the best, and they think theirs is the best. We think, no, it's not feasible. They know it's not feasible. That's why they want it. <laughs> Welcome to the Fourth Reich. You know, it's interesting on this note, you have from, where is this? Our, our buddies at Children's Health Defense Fund. It's from yesterday. Would a climate emergency open the same door to authoritarian governance as COVID emergency? A year ago, 1,140 organizations sent Biden a letter urging him to declare a climate emergency. A group of senators did the same thing last October. There's a House bill introduced as well. The UN urged all countries to do so. The state of Hawaii and 170 local U.S. jurisdictions have declared some version of it. So of 38 countries, including the European Union. Um, the Brennan Center for Justice compiled a list of 123 statutory powers that may become available to the president upon declaration of a national emergency. And they encompass every aspect of your life. This is, most states have not extirpated this from their, their law books. And Congress, the GOP House, is not, to my knowledge, trying to address this. It's bizarre. They just say, oh, end the current emergency earlier. But what about the notion of this governance by emergency at all? I mean, this is, you don't even have to recognize the vaccine problems and the, 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 the science and the, the gain of function and the 
genocidal tendencies. This was the first observation from that first day in March that I thought we all agreed to. Is like, whoa, uh, uh, you know, we suffered under martial law, and three years later, we have not fixed that. But what I'm telling you is, they don't need. They, they never run with the same play up the middle of the field twice. They don't need another pathogen to do this. And they're going to do this with, 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 they'll say, there's a CO2 emergency, some sort of environmental energy emergency, and boom, you have no life, liberty, property. It's a very important piece from them, but just gave you a little bit of a, of a synopsis. So that's Biden for you. Now we go on to Huckabee Sanders. But before that, just, mo- you know, th- then you have like the rhinos. You have the Senate. So that's Mitch McConnell showing up with his Ukraine tie. So most of the elected Republicans, like the Senate Republicans at least, and then like a good, and, and most of the governors and a lot of these state legislative leaders we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, like in Wyoming, they're like downright where McConnell is and, and even more to the left. Downright just agreeing straight up with the premise of 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 the left on, on a lot of issues. Okay. So that, that part of the party is still there. But then you have the more aggressive part that's a little bit more responsive to the broad, you know, Fox, GOP, conservative media, radio talking points. That's embodied in the GOP house. You know, even Kevin McCarthy himself getting more feisty. You know, the Overton window moving over a little bit. And in comes Huckabee Sanders. And and look, I want to say I want to say that by far, and it's not even close, so this was the best Republican response to a Democrat State of the Union of my lifetime. It's not even close. And I remember back in the day in the 90s, you had like Trent Lott and Jennifer Dunn. You know, getting up there and they sound like a bunch of dorks. And agree. I mean, she came out swinging very, some really good lines. Um, you know, because also part of the problem is the the response speech has always been plagued by you just look goofy because you can't deliver the same type of speech and just looking in front of a camera with no one there laying out a vision. So it actually does work out better as just an attack, savaging the guy. Just straight up attacking him. That actually does, because speaking into a camera, a rant works. But to try to give like a governing vision, it just doesn't work. So she did a great job, a 10 out of 10. And and, and, and for the first time ever, and that includes Kim Reynolds last time, she was very milk toast. I don't know why people liked it. Um, it's kind of captured the sentiment of where we, we of, of our feelings and at least attempted to speak our language. <laughs> and, and that says something that for, for decades, we couldn't even get Republicans to speak our language. So she spoke our language. And, you know, let's let's play this clip here of Huckabee Sanders. About a minute clip. I just want to, you know, focus on this part. Take a listen. And while you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. 
Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is. Your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. So, folks, that was terrific. That really, really captured, I think, where we are. Okay, the fact that they make us bow down to their idols. This is a culture war. We didn't start it, but but we're in it and we're going to fight it. We're not putting up with this anymore. Um, you're pathetic. You, you're weak around the world. Um, invade the border. Crush our liberties. It, it was good. You'll never get better than, than that from the GOP. And, and I sincerely mean that without a tinge of sarcasm. Um, And and I'd say, look, the dividing line in America is no longer between the right or left. The choice is between normal and crazy. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Okay, again, the words itself, getting warmer. Like, you know, in a game of hot and cold, this is the hottest we've ever been. Man, she's, you know, that itch on your back. You just, we never got it. She's starting to get it. This is our opportunity. I like the way she framed, because I'm around the same age, and a lot of you are, and and I... I, I like the way she framed kind of like, you know, we have the baby boomers that are, you know, kind of beyond their peak. And we have Gen Z that is just a fulfillment of Klaus Schwab's dream of the Zoomer lockdown retarded generation. Huh, um, but then you have like the older Gen Ys and Gen X, you know, people, you know, upper 30s, 40s, 50s that maybe a lot of them were liberal but experienced this they get it more than the boomers do because they you know really recognize the threat and a lot of them are 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 based and they know what time it is they know what time it is and it's going to fall upon those people to really make the plays that we need to make and the way she framed her kind of age bracket a new generation born in the waning decades of the last century shaped by economic booms and and stock market busts, forged by the triumph of the Cold War and the tragedy of 9-11, a generation brimming with passion and new ideas to solve age-old problems, a generation more uh, more to our deepest, uh, a generation moored to our deepest values and oldest traditions, yet unafraid to challenge the present order and find a better way forward. That's actually a really, really good line. And that's what I say all the time. You know, too, too often these old generation of talk show hosts, um, and you know what I mean, like, you know, they're so moored to their old strategies that they ironically tossed their their values, even though they lived with it longer than we did, uh, to accommodate their stupid, stuck-on-stupid political modus operandi. Whereas, no, I think there is a reawakening of a group of us, this age bracket, that are more moored than even the baby boomers were, and, and yearning yearning for that you know 1930s 40s 50s era american tradition values but the political structure we need to recognize what time it is and fight like the dickens and think of new things like national divorce and and again like but but notice that i am notice notice what i'm doing 
I'm filling in the blanks and translating her words in a way that she and many others aren't necessarily headed. But the words are really nice, and I and, I, and it speaks our language, and, and I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, but here's the thing. You read it carefully. And it's not just reading it, because I think she did her job. I, I don't need a whole litany of you know, policy ideas. Like I said, it, it's not really the place for it. It doesn't work. I don't blame it. The speech is fine. But where I think she's channeling is the sentiment of Con Inc. The same way conservatives conservatized last generation's issues, they've moved on to CR, CRT, the tranny stuff, this, that. And, and, you know, they're more aggressive. You know, Biden's a failure. He's not fit to lead. He's crazy. You know, good stuff. But again, channeling back to Biden's speech. What is it that Biden and the left don't want us to pursue? COVID fascism, medical tyranny, the biomedical security state, and everything that represents. What is, again, the 800-pound gorilla dog that didn't bark in Huckabee Sanders' speech? COVID fascism. There was one oblique mention just when she was saying her, she was introducing who she was upon taking office just a few weeks ago. I signed an executive order to ban CRT, racism, and indoctrination in our schools, eliminate the use of derogatory term latent in our government, repealed COVID orders, and said never again to authoritarian mandates and shutdowns. But then never ever mentioned it. It was like in passing. Authoritarian mandates and shutdowns. So two things. Number one, that it wasn't mentioned like the died suddenly. I mean, how do you not mention that at all? And that that's a problem that even the better ones, and she represents the, the more energetic movement. But if you look at what they focus on, the issues they focus on, they're not wrong. And a lot of them are even good issues. It's not quite where it needs to be. And they they know what time it is to an extent, but not quite what time it is. And we're still playing catch up. So first off, it's embodying this repealed COVID orders and said never again. Here's the problem. At the time she took office, the government in in, 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 uh, in Arkansas didn't have mandates. The problem is the private sector mandates, the hospitals, and the future, and we're well beyond just mandates being problem. It's, it's a pro-life issue. It's a death shot. And on that account, it has not ended, and, and the hospitals still have it. Well, the government can't do it. Well, okay, so the red states aren't going to add and have their own governments mandated. That's the game they're playing. It's not enough. It's not enough. And to my knowledge, we don't have any good bill. I've been trying to work with people there. We don't have any good bill on, on any of these issues. And again, in, in a few minutes, I'm going to get to a big action item that they're missing. Then she talks about freedoms. The freedoms that are at stake. And I all, oh, you mean like COVID. And maybe she kind of meant that too. But what are the two biggest issues of the Fourth Reich on freedom? And you could say really three. I would say it is the green energy fascism, and that ties into food and fuel. It's the biomedical fascism, and it's the persecution of our beliefs embodied in January 6th and arresting people and monitoring people. And those issues, they just don't cover... 
It's like too oblique and they don't get to it. The main thing is what? What was her issue on freedom? The censorship. The censorship. It's all about that. And today there's a hearing in in, in, in the House oversight and, and, you know, I think it's a joint hearing on on the, the Twitter, former Twitter officials there. And, and it's important. But the, the issue is not so much, oh, they're blocking my Facebook. The issue is they're coming for our lives. That's what January 6th shows. That's what the whistleblowers show about what the FBI and DHS are doing to us. It's more serious than that. But Republicans and, and the conservatives, it's still about, but the Democrats and the politics. So, so why are they focused more on the censorship on social media than they are on the arresting us for our political beliefs, monitoring us, biomedical security, fascism? It's because that's where the political show is. It's all about political showmanship. Sometimes it's better political showmanship than what we've been given by the establishment until now, but it's still about the political showmanship. Because, you know, to me, it affected me. I mean, this is what I do for a living. So all the advocates who, who do conservatism for a living, Con Inc., to varying degrees, whatever you want to define as Con Inc., they're most lit about the censorship. Now, I understand that. But to you, to, to you guys in the audience, what's more important? You not getting arrested for your views and, 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 and drummed out of society and poisoned and that you could have affordable food and fuel that we get rid of this global warming agenda that Republicans, every Republican governor almost still indulges? Or is it to save your Twitter and Facebook account? See, this is a little bit of the disconnect. It is an important issue, of course. Government working together with them to ban First Amendment. Don't get me wrong. But if you look at the order of priorities and the passion, it's a little bit backwards. That's what they glum onto. It's these buzzwords. Just like for years, it was always buzzwords. It wasn't about policy outcomes, civilization outcomes. And that leads me to the next thing. She, she gave a culture war speech, said this is a culture war. And I certainly don't disagree with that. And I'm happy and embrace the fact that we're finally willing to address it. But even that is too little too late. Folks, the culture war was the last 20, 30 years. This is not a culture war, a political war. This is a humanity war. This is what I think they don't realize. And this is where... The omission of COVID fascism and the and the biomedical genocide and tyranny and surveillance and the need for Nuremberg and the need and this is why we're coming out with our book. Steve Dace was right. I said, ah, what's the point in writing a book? It will be done by next year. It's like, no. No, they are they are, even the better conservatives, they don't get it. They don't get what just happened. They don't see it. Culture war is like, yeah, you know, political stuff. They want cultural rock god. And that's, that's very important. And until now, we haven't had many Republicans willing to even address that. That's progress. But we go three steps ahead. They go five steps ahead. They're on to transhumanism. And, and, and COVID fascism is an IQ test. That really shows if you know what time it is. And I just don't think they see it. You know, and, and, and Huckabee Sanders just got in there. I want to give her time. We have very few people we could even work with, so I hope we can work with her. 
I will say, Arkansas was horrible under Asa Hutchinson with COVID. And we tried to get her. We were like, hey, you know, we could use your voice. She she won by a landslide. She won the primary, the general. It's very popular there. Be a voice. It's the bare minimum. And then what was the big issue? What was the big, big issue? The one issue she mainly spoke about. And again, I want to be clear. I understand you can't give a litany of policy ideas. It's not the time. It's not the place. It's a response. I fully appreciate that. But it was school choice. School choice. I'm going to rankle some feathers here. But it, 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 it reflects what I'm seeing from the conservative movement. So you have the GOP establishment that's embodied through these horrible governors, horrible this, doing nothing good. Agreeing with the left on everything. But even the better conservatives, it's like, it's almost like they're still fighting like the issues from 10 to 20 years ago. And they're oldies but goodies. They're, they're fine. I agree with them. It's kind of like, again, the guns, taxes, abortions, school choice. She gets up there. I believe giving every child access to a quality education, regardless of their race or income, is the civil rights issue of our day. Couple things. It's hard to, I, I don't really disagree with much. So first off, there is a little bit of racial pandering here as much as she said she's getting away from it because she introduced it with the whole thing with the segregation and then moved into like, yeah, um, you know, race. And, and okay, let's face it, the only reason why we've succeeded in getting Republicans to embrace the issue is because we have our own angle for like, oh, you're trapping the inner city blacks in this and we're going to give them school choice. Um, and, I, you know, look, it's better... You know, you use a racial talking point for, you know, there's there's worse policies to use it for. I don't mind it. I support it. You know, so so what is this? We're going to give, you know, we spend state money on public schools, so we're going to even the playing field and, you know, give vouchers to use it the way you want. Um, You know, now what if you have a net zero tax liability, which a lot of the people, they're, or all the people they're talking about do? Well, Okay, I guess we'll give a handout. <laughs> okay, that that's what it is. Let's let's be honest. You know, there's there's a there's a tax deduction, um, and then there's you know like an earned income tax credit. Where okay, fine, all right, um, fine, okay. It's the civil rights issue of our day. I mean, we freaking had kids gagged with masks for eight hours a day, a year and a half to two years into this. In red states, including Arkansas, every red state. That wasn't the civil rights issue of the day. That they are killing us in millions. Taking away everything from us. Our life. Our freedom of movement. Our bodily autonomy. Our food. Our fuel. You can't have plastic bags. Everywhere. You can't have this. You can't have that. They're literally controlling our bodies. That's the civil rights. So medical freedom is the civil rights of our time. But but, because that also embodies the agenda behind the medical tyranny is the same agenda behind the, you know, taking away our food and fuel. 
That's the issue of our time. Giving every child access to quality education, regardless of race and income, is a civil rights issue of our day. Am I being too harsh? Do you, do you, I mean, let me know. Daniel Horowitz at uh, startmail.com. I, I just, the reason why it bothers me, I don't mean to pick on her. This is where the better conservative elected officials in the state, red states are. This is the issue they've all gone all in on. And it's just a little bit weird. It's almost like a little bit astroturfed. And it kind of is. It's a good astroturfing. I, I, I agree with Corey D'Angelis. I, I admire his movement. He built the movement that, that I want to build. But it's like, okay, I mean, that's, that's a long-standing issue. That's not a Fourth Reich issue. And yet when it comes to medical freedom... There's our teams are literally the first ones on the ground to even get a bill introduced in a state legislature. It's just weird. I I don't get it. That's the dog that doesn't bark. But that tells me you don't fully get what we're like. This is not a matter of a culture war, a political war. They hate us politically. They are trying to kill us. They want to exterminate us. And they're exterminating our ability to access. You could live without access to formal schooling. I mean, you could. Especially if the schools are garbage anyway. Um, You cannot live without air, (laughs) food, fuel, medicine, and then being injected with things that directly kill you. And the government having the power to declare an emergency and quite literally do anything to your physical essence, much less your property and you know restriction of movement. It, it's just weird. It's like it's like their hair is on fire over a ten, but then an issue level a hundred is not even on their radar. Oh yeah, we're done with that. Okay. Like what? And again, I still believe this is the best Republican response ever given. But this is the perfect dividing line between what the Democrats are, what the Republicans are, and what kind of conservative media organizations are at. They're all too little too late. They're too little too late with the tranny issue. Let me give you a great example. I've said this before, but it's worth reiterating. It's worth reiterating. So, you know... I have written probably more columns on illegal immigration than anyone who is a columnist on the right today. I've been writing about that for 17 years. I've been fighting every aspect of that issue. And for years, the Republican Party and conservative movement, they were on the other side. Finally, they're obsessed with the issue. And even then, like always, I I said before, it should be about state deportations, cutting off the magnets in the states. Instead, it's just like border security, which is whatever, you know, so it's a whole, you know, rabbit hole in itself. Um, But it's like, dude, this was my issue. Half of my book, Stolen Sovereignty, by the way, you could still get it, published by Post Hill on Amazon, Stolen Sovereignty. Um, Half the book was about the stealing of individual sovereignty through judicial supremacism. Um, national sovereignty through illegal immigration. I wrote about this. This was my big issue. And yet when the issue got worse than ever, I barely touched it because I didn't have time because the medical freedom issue was so much greater than even my champion issue. Because at the end of the day, illegal aliens, yes, they 
ruin the culture, crime, um, drugs, and fiscal drain. There's no question. I could articulate that. But they don't have the ability to do to us what the government's doing to us. Okay, they, they never shut us down and gagged our mouths and injected our bodies and and then this is just the opening salvo. They're always too late. And now, I mean, we're overrun with so many. Like, I don't even know what you do about that anymore. Same thing on crime, 10 years too late after being on the other side. Trennies, 10 years too late. CRT, like 10 years too late. Like what we need, really needed is there, there's a bill in Arkansas, my buddy Dan Sullivan, that will extirpate race from the entirety of government. Not just in like the school curriculum, but end all affirmative action. You know, that's what you need, something much more categorical based on politically how much we've been able to push back on that issue. Am I being too harsh? Again, I, I like Huckabee Sanders. I think there's potential there. I like the speech. I just think it's not an accident. It's pr- very precise what was and wasn't said in the way it was said. That is where kind of the Kevin McCarthy, you know, conservative NGOs, conservative talk, talk show host language is now. But as you well know from listening to me, that that's not quite where it's at. doesn't mean it's always wrong. It's not quite where it's at. And by the way, it was interesting. She actually, th- she actually said, and you know, we have a different vision under the leadership of, it was interesting, she said, Kevin, Speaker Kevin McCarthy and Senate leadership. <laughs> she, it was asymmetrical. She didn't mention Mitch McConnell because she knew that would fall flat. So finally, we're on to Mitch McConnell as a problem. Okay. You see what I mean? It's always too little too late. And that's why the COVID fascism issue and the biomedical security state, medical tyranny, that tells me, do you tr- have you truly caught up with where things are? And I, I took too long really going through all of this, but let me give you a sense of what I mean. Oh, Daniel, it's over with. You got to, you know, you have to understand there's other issues. Let me give you a sense of how these people just don't know at all what is about to hit us. You might have seen this. Robert Malone, Jessica Rose talked about this. It was discovered through National File. It was uncovered. That CDC has introduced new ICD-10 codes. These are medical billing codes. It's about 24,000 of them. And they introduced new codes for under immunization status. Z28310, unvaccinated for COVID-19. Z28311, partially vaccinated for COVID-19. Z28039, other under immunization status. But here's the interesting thing. There's a note on their catalog. These codes should not be used for individuals who are not eligible for COVID vaccines as determined by a healthcare provider. Whoa. So it's bad enough that you would have an ICD code for not vaccinated because, because, um, you, you don't code, a, a code is that you have a disease or an injury, a malady, right? So if someone has a bacterial infection, so you say they have sinusitis, you don't put in there, there's no code for did not take azithromycin, right? You, you just That's bizarre. So it's like, whatever you think the guy has, if he has an, an ailment, put in the ailment. But a lack of immunization status, that in itself is very disturbing. Okay. 
But what they're saying is, no, it's not just, oh, okay, we want to know who who's not immunized. Like They're admitting that this is not just we're tracking generically who's not immunized, which is bad enough. We want to know who refused to get it because they don't want to get it. They're saying don't code it if they have a, you know, a physician, healthcare provider says that they have a contraindication. You know, they're allergic to the materials. Okay, that sounds like a punishment. They are, they are admitting, and this is everywhere. They're surveilling you. They're all saying we're, they're building the biomedical surveillance. And we have the last three years worth of material. This is nothing that you have to like learn about. How do you just allow them to move on? What do you think they're going to use it for? They already destroyed people's lives. You can't get a kidney um, transplant. You can't get treatment. You can't go to school. You can't fulfill your dreams. Nursing school, medical school, law school. Kicked out of your job, the military. The worst form of apartheid we've ever had. The worst discrimination, the worst violation of human rights based on knowing who has the shot and who doesn't. And now they're putting in ICD codes to permanently track and we know they're coming out with more death shots. They tell us they're doing this. You tell me a more important issue. How does this not show up? There's an, an, an emergency need for every red state to abolish their state immunization registry. Ban all immunization tracking. Preclude the health department and the state and medical professionals from including a person's immunization records in any interstate or federal immunization tracking system without obtaining consent from the patient. It's language from Florida SB 222. And specifically, the ICD codes used for vaccine reluctance should not be included, must not be included by any state medical professional without the consent of the patient. Any federal agency that pings a state or local office about an individual's immunization status should result in immediate notification of the citizen we have to codify immunization status into state civil rights and anti-discrimination statutes. Just running out of time here trying to get everything in. Sorry for talking so quickly. But there has never been an issue that is more of a direct threat to our existence than this. Oh, we just killed 7.5 million people in the world, and that's just the opening bid. Likely will be tens of millions when this is all done. And uh, we have more coming down the pipeline in a couple months. Oh, and we're building. Oh, and we already um, denied you freedoms last time. We, we've we've eased the mandates now, and then we have a tracking system, and we have new shots coming out. What? And and this is not even like issue number a hundred with even the better conservatives inside and outside of government. This is unreal. We need a bill in every state that mirrors the green the Green Light Act of New York. That was their sanctuary bill where they made it a felony for any state agency to share information, pass on information about illegal alien sex offenders to the federal government. And that that is the federal purview. And the Second Circuit upheld it. We absolutely, if they can do it for criminal alien sex offenders, we should do it for bare bones American life, liberty, and property. This is an IQ test. And I will tell you, all of these Republicans are failing Failing miserably. Failing miserably. And, you, you know, in that vein, let me, let me just play here a contrast 
Ron DeSantis is the only one who gets what time it is. He's the only one who talks like this. So he he held a press conference today announcing, you know, all of his tax relief for different products, vital products and services, things like that. Um, here's a 38-second clip. T- t- take a listen here. Now, in Florida, the way Florida was built up, it was built more around uh, electric stoves. More and more people now can get gas lines. I mean, look, I think the gas is better for, for preparing food, but that's your choice. But why would you try to ban this? It's so irrational, uh, but it shows they are coming for any little thing in your life that they can do. And I think what they want to be able to do is they ultimately want to control the amount of energy you consume. And so if everyone's on one system, they can throttle that or do. I think that's the ultimate vision that they're working to. And that does not fly in the state of Florida. So we're not going to let that happen here. So, folks, you see what he said there? They're coming for every little thing in your life that you can do. They want to control how much energy you consume, have everyone on one system, and throttle that. He gets it. That's not, that's not a culture war. That's genocide. They're going to monitor you. They're going to arrest you. It's not just take away your, your Twitter post. I'm not saying we shouldn't fight that. But that's the least of it. They're going to arrest you. They're going to restrict you. They did it. They did it for three years. It's like we lived through this. Now we have like a little bit of a breathing room. We're transitioning from one tyranny to another. And now's that narrow window when it's unpopular. People are out of that mass psychosis. But now there's a new psychosis just to ignore it. People are so done with COVID that they don't want to see any problem. And again, that's the blueprint they're telling you. That's the blueprint for food and energy. Those are the vitals of life. I mean, you can live with a culture war. Can't live with that. Cannot live with that. So this is what is lacking. I'm just not seeing a movement in place that gets the issues. And by the way, isn't it a little bit weird how Ron DeSantis was never tasked with giving the response yet. It's a little bit weird. Um, but, and now Trump is bashing DeSantis, not just with these sickening, disgusting attacks, accusing him of being a groomer for having a picture with his high school students, but all, you know, after he was on Epstein's plane, but he's actually criticizing him for not for having voted against Goodlatte's amnesty bill in 2018 that all of Trump's supporters voted against and it was only the rhinos who supported. But yeah, that's that's the vanity there. Welcome to the vanity. So we're going to continue with our state teams, all of our action items. Um couple interesting things here. Uh, we got Idaho SB 1029 just passed committee. It bars judges from considering immunization status in terminating parental rights. We've seen this a lot throughout the U.S. and Canada. Judges are taking away kids. They, oh, it's child abuse or, you know, it, it, you're anti-vax or they take away uh, custody rights in a custody battle. Very important legislation. I mean, why am I the only one doing this? Like, typically Republicans don't do anything unless you live through it. You know what I mean? You have to actually live through it for them to give a damn. God forbid should they get ahead of an issue before we're harmed by it. But here we were harmed by this beyond belief. Oh yeah, it's over. 
it's over. Biden signaled that. He wants you to say it's over. Now's the time for us to say, no, it ain't over. You want to run away? We're going to drag you out of that. We're going to slash your tires and bully, pull you out of that car. We're not letting you run away from it. But we can't let Republicans allow them to run away from it, which is what they want to do. This is an IQ test to every other issue. It's not just a culture war. It's about humanity itself. Where is our vision for the State of the Union? Well, that's what we're going to give here every single day. You can follow my writings on The Blaze and Conservative Review, Twitter at RMConservative. You could email me at DanielHurwitz at StartMail.com. You could give us a five-star rating with a comment on, on iTunes. It will get us ahead of all these empty calorie shows on the algorithms. And then finally, conaction.network. Sign up for one of our teams. We actually know what time it is. We're focusing on the right issues in the right way at the right time. Finally rectifying the mistake of this conservative movement for 40 years that's failed us so miserably. And even the ones more aggressively, they're still way behind the eight ball on what actually matters. We have a special guest coming up tomorrow. Let me know what you think is an issue that's being missed. I'm sure I'm missing important issues as well. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.